I'm James Hayes, and you're very welcome to episode 5 of the Sideline Cut podcast. On this week's show, is Jurgen Klopp showing a lack of respect to the FA Cup? Can Ireland redeem themselves in the Six Nations after a miserable 2019? Dublin, Kerry and Mayo still in search of a win in the National Football League, while Cork and Tip battle it out to stay in contention in the Hurling League. And of course, it's Super Bowl week. Joe will be here with another historic sporting tale. Dylan will test our sporting knowledge with this week's Bamboozled. And we will finish with Take 5, where you get the chance to take on our experts in our weekly prediction competition. Remember, as always, you can check us out across all our social media, at sideline underscore cut on Twitter and Instagram, at the sideline cut on Facebook, and you can also get us on email at sport at the sideline cut dot com. How are you, lads? Brilliant. Those things. Hard at it this week. You were hard, hard at it this week. <laughs> hardly at it. Hardly oh, at it. I hear you were going to go on the the old Winter Olympics there, by with the old skiing. Oh well, I learned to fall like a pro anyway. That's a fact. You could have done that here, to be honest. <laughs> um, before we get going, I suppose um, the, the the sporting world is in, is in mourning. Following the death of um, basketball superstar Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna and seven others in a helicopter crash in LA last Sunday. Um, 41 years of age, a, a, a living legend by all accounts, and like tributes being paid across the globe to, to probably one of the greatest sports stars we'll ever know. I mean, he, probably, yeah. He was kind yeah. of like, from, from everything that I've been reading and seeing, he was like genuinely loved the world over yeah um yeah look i think it's just one of those things everyone that heard about it was shocked it was it's mad i think, isn't I, think it? I was at work on sunday night and i found out and yeah it's kind of, it's kind it's of one strange. of those things you remember where you were like i got like seven messages one after another from different people going kobe's dead and you're kind of going yeah you kind of don't believe it. you're like yeah no way H- like, how the hell possible. does this happen you know but I guess I guess you never know, and it's 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 one of those things. It's like there's tributes being paid everywhere. I see, like yeah, look, it's terrible. Like it's just one of those things. Yeah. How much can we done about it? Our uh, our thoughts and prayers obviously go out to um, the families involved, and you know you can never never expect these things. Anyway, moving on to our uh, our show football this week, Joe. Um, yeah, we had FA Cup the weekend just gone, so. Um, nothing really groundbreaking probably the biggest upset was uh, Liverpool blowing a two goal lead away at Shrewsbury Town as a I'm not even mad to be honest mad respect to Shrewsbury for it they did well um, I didn't see it um, you said there was a, a penalty that shouldn't have been a penalty oh it looked like it was about a foot and a half outside the box but again like look Liverpool shouldn't be turning around blaming a touch and go refereeing decision for drawing against Shrewsbury like Shrewsbury did well to come back from 2-0 down yeah. uh, Liverpool probably should have wrapped the game up but look now Shrewsbury Town get a chance to play at Anfield I suppose the, the, the big news that came out of it yeah. is, is the Jorgen Klopp um, I'm not going to turn up and I, I'm not going to play any of my senior players and you know yeah like uh, he's getting a lot of stick for it but um, it's in the middle of this supposed winter break they're trying to bring in for Premier League teams right. and apparently the the FA wrote to all the teams last summer asking them to please respect this and just to so they're not organising friendlies and stuff mm. just to actually give the players a break and then they went and organised the FA Cup fourth round replays for the middle of the break and they've even there's no replays in the fifth round to avoid this 
they, they're just going to go to extra time and penalties so that they're not putting extra fixtures in around the break and yet the fourth round fixtures they've put in because there's two separate weeks of the winter break okay so that there's not a weekend of having no football right so like Champions League teams the first week is better because Champions League is back later in February obviously okay so they've avoided having any FA Cup games in the second week of the break but they haven't gone to the trouble of doing it for the first week it's a bit mad mad. he's getting a lot of stick himself for saying he's not going to turn up but he was asked in his press conference about it and he said like if my players aren't going to be there like the under 23s are going to be there and they need their coach and that's Neil Critchley that's fair he was like he works with them he knows them better why wouldn't he be there yeah like you got to respect that from him as well he could come in and try and take over and do that but that's not his style really is it no it's not and he even said it in his press conference which was very entertaining he was like I don't care if you think it's the right decision like I have to make this decision Mm. that was his general tone he was like I don't make these decisions to be popular for Liverpool Football Club it's the right decision it is and that's what his job is to make like if Liverpool win the league which looks like they will no one's going to look back on this in five years and go oh that Liverpool team was great but Awful yeah. shame to get knocked out of the FA Cup in the fourth round there. <laughs> the thing is, his holiday's booked or something. I think they all do. But, um, He's off to Barbados for a few days. Yeah. I, I was doing some reading there. The last time a Liverpool manager voluntarily missed an FA Cup tie was Bill Shankly against Stockport back in 1965 and Liverpool went on to win the FA Cup. And I don't think anyone was going to criticise Bill Shankly too much. No. Given his godlike status. Well, to be fair, nobody should be criticising Klopp too much after the job he's done. You know, that's it. But at the same time, does it really put the FA Cup into context? Yeah. Which was kind of the debate: is he disrespecting what is the world's oldest club competition? It's it's kind of been disrespected across the board, though, isn't it? Yeah. It you has. know, there's I too there's too much money in the Premier League, and everyone is kind of fighting for their their few extra it, positions yeah, it's in there. Premier and League it's and then Champions League, and then FA Cup is third, and the Portland League Cup then is. It's a it's a reserve competition though. That's that's what the FA. It is, is for the big teams now. At the same time, it's a huge chance for teams, the ones just outside of Europe, the the likes of, I know Wolves are in Europe this year, but it's a big chance for them or yeah. you know the likes of Leicester City to try and get some uh, silverware. But for Champions League teams, yeah, the teams that are chasing bigger titles, it's no good to them. Leicester will probably be pushing hard now after getting knocked out of the Carabao yeah, Cup. Yeah, that was another thing. Villa during the week, the League Cup semi-finals run. Um, Villa went through with a wonderful last minute goal cross in from the right from El Mohamed he was outstanding last minute 2-1 win it was a, a draw from the first leg and in the other semi-final um, Man United won 1-0 but they were 3-1 down from the first leg so Man City and Aston Villa in the League Cup final Ole will probably take some solace in the fact that they've beaten City and he's kind of had the better of Pep over the last two games yeah he seems to be taking solace in a lot of things that are no good to him right now <laughs> You go into the game two goals down you win it 1-0 is no good it's a two-legged yeah. tie would it have been different if Manage had set in the field well he stopped two counter-attacks so mm-hmm. it could have been very different if he hadn't made the fouls yeah I suppose but, no I don't think so I think City were fairly comfortable with their one goal lead um, but yeah I think Solskjaer is kind of clutching at straws in terms of things he's happy with right now in a few of his press conferences um, still, still have a chance of Making Champions League football and that'll probably still end up chance, being a yeah, success for the year. Everyone is dropping points. Like it's insane. Um like Liverpool aside, who just seem to be running away with it at the moment, like 
City, Leicester even dropping points. That race for fourth is getting pretty tight. It's only six points. Chelsea's yeah. cushion now. What were we saying? Spurs, Spurs play City on uh, on Sunday. To on Sunday, yeah. Stay in the race. Yeah, that'll keep them in the race. They're level with United and as a Liverpool fan, hopefully Spurs will do it. Look for an old Mourinho masterclass there. <laughs> is it a worrying time for Premier League teams? Yeah, it's one issue that's been raised a lot is are Liverpool so far ahead because the league has gotten weaker? It seems like it. I think, well, Man City have gone a little bit off the boil. They're still a world-class team. Like, I don't think anyone can debate that, but they're not at the level they were at the previous two years, which is only human. I mean, they were outstanding 100 points and 98 points like no team has ever gotten either of those totals does does everyone beating everyone mean the league is weaker or stronger I think it makes it definitely more unpredictable because that's the issue we had say 10-12 years ago remember when you had the big four it was mm. Liverpool, Arsenal, United and Chelsea and that was the top four that was Champions League every year and obviously City and Spurs then came into it but does it, like and now you have Leicester you have Wolves are getting in there Arsenal down in 10th does, does it not make it a more competitive league I think it, it makes it a more competitive and league stronger and like take, take Liverpool out of it I mean the season Liverpool are having may not ever happen again no it's exceptional you know um, but take Liverpool out of it that league is incredibly competitive it is you can't say that it's a weak league just because Liverpool are so far ahead yeah I know? think that's probably a rival fans just kind of want to that's yeah. going to happen no matter who it is the rival fans will have a reason for them being on top well I have the league table in front of me here like Southampton were in the relegation zone like what three weeks ago they're in the top half they're three points behind Man United yeah yeah and like Watford look like they can get out of the relegation zone now and Bournemouth look like they're in free fall yeah Norwich kind of look like they're they're fairly done at this stage and yeah I think they're just yeah. I think what was it I read they're uh they have good intentions they want to play the right football but they're just not fully equipped for the Premier yeah. League probably not was that four losses in a row for Bournemouth yeah yeah it's not promising no no not even a small bit um, I suppose the other thing going on in football at the moment is the, the transfer deadline yeah. day is, to, is today yeah on the day of recording this is transfer deadline day so I hope there's no major transfers <laughs> or mine are going to look fairly irrelevant I suppose the, the big one so far is probably uh, Bruno Fernandes to to United yeah this one kind of dragged on for the whole month yeah. um, I think United knew they needed to get the deal done and I'd say there was just a lot of haggling because I think Sporting Lisbon knew United needed to get the deal yeah. done and they'll always try and squeeze an extra 5 or 10 million yeah. out of a team as big as United who they know have the money there's some crazy extras and stuff there always is like, like bonuses for if they get in the Champions League yeah. or win the Champions League yeah, some sort of five million bonus if they qualify for the Champions League within the next four years or something. Yeah, it's always <laughs> some of those contracts are ridiculous. Other than that, um, major transfer. I think probably the biggest transfer news is that Chelsea haven't signed anyone. Yeah, given that their transfer embargo was lifted. Now I think credit to Frank Lampard to go to his squad of players and say, right, I can sign players, and I'm not going to say I have faith in you to close this out and finish top four. There's now, eight, there's eight he's going to go and sign Edison Cavani later on today you know, and I'm going to look like a fool <laughs> yeah there's 8 or 10 hours left I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't rule anything yeah. out just yet uh, Tottenham had two signings one of them was uh, Giovanni Lo Celso who they had on loan they just made it permanent okay. I think about 8 minutes after the Christian Eriksen deal was announced to Inter Milan um, and they signed Steven Bergwijn could be pronouncing that wrong from PSV I've seen him play a few times very exciting Yeah, that pacey little winger 
very dangerous. Getting rid of Ericsson might be the changing of the the guard for Spurs. I think a it's a good bit. thing. I don't think he's been the same this season. No, and I don't think I don't think anyone was happy playing around him either. You know. No, so. I, it, we saw it with uh, Juan Mata. I think I might have actually mentioned it on one of the earlier podcasts. I thought he'd sell him because the Juan Mata thing, very similar type of player. Mm. He needs someone with more physical attributes, yeah. pace, power, just for the the work rate that he needs in his midfielders and he's also used his number 10 before especially with Oscar at Chelsea for those tactical fouls before that counter attack is over the halfway line to just pick up that yellow card but yeah yeah, that's the major transfer news really there's not a whole pile else yeah not not a huge amount going on January never is really world of football I think the interesting thing was the amount of players going to Italy yeah big movement towards uh, Italy Uh, Inter Milan in particular there is what is that the Ronaldo factor or I don't know because Inter Milan obviously now have Lukaku Sanchez <laughs> Ashley Young um, and Ericsson like we just said so like that's I don't know are they just happy to take is that them acknowledging that the Premier League is so superior that they're happy to take their cast offs because Inter Milan like these are players that we've probably taken the mick out of I mean Ashley Young in particular Lukaku and Sanchez as well and they're all now playing Inter Milan, who are I think second in the league. Yeah, they're trying to chase do, down Juventus. Do okay like they're still in with a shout with the Scudetto. So I think that might be Antonio Conte probably recognised that the Premier League is providing better players and is happy mm-hmm. to take the cast-offs from higher up Premier League teams because they could be good enough to win the Italian league. And like that, because the Premier League is such good viewers, when those players go to Italy, you know they're more recognisable. So that kind of makes the the Italian football, I don't know, more appealing to your average football viewer, which is yeah. Um, one interesting thing I seen during the week was uh, and we'll put it down as my rumor of the week was uh, a photo of uh, Lionel Messi in a in a Liverpool top, and people have said that you know they're advising I don't know where the hell you saw that they're advising Messi. Honestly, honestly, they're uh, they're advising Messi that if he's to leave Barcelona, that he should go to Liverpool and play for Klopp and no. Never gonna happen. Never gonna happen. Never gonna I'd happen. say it's more likely that we're gonna sign Mbappe than Messi. Photoshop is a great thing. Isn't it's it? marvelous, yeah. Photoshop is the greatest thing in the world. I think I actually might have one to tip that was um with rumours of Newcastle's takeover. I heard there uh, Newcastle are a lot of Newcastle fans are now getting shirts with Mbappe nine on the back. Mental stuff. Mental Brilliant. stuff. Um no kind of on the football front, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um on to GAA next. Uh, National League started last weekend in earnest. I went to uh, I went to Tip and Limerick in Turles myself and came away a very unhappy man. Um, after being nine points up at half time, Tipperary lost to Limerick by two. Um, game at your proverbial game of game two, two halves. halves. It was just yeah, strong win, but. No excuse for it. Did Tip throw it away or did Limerick Tip didn't earn it? I didn't see the game myself. Tip didn't even come out of the dress in the second half. No? Terrible stuff. Um, oh, they got points straight away, didn't they? And then that was it. Yeah. Limerick yeah. got 10 points on and came back to win. Yeah. Limerick played well in the second half too and a couple of goals were a big killer. But um, kind of fearful that Limerick seemed to have a bit of a, a hoodoo over Tip at the moment. Um, going back to uh, the championship last year and Munster mm. final and you know league now as well. Limerick just look good, you know. They like didn't show up in the first half, maybe a bit rusty. I don't like this short passing game that they're trying. It's just very, very football esque, but it seems to work for them. 
Um, Tipperary tried a little bit of in the second half and cost himself a few scores, but um, I suppose in in other results, easy wins for Wexford, Galway, and Clare. Um, Watford beat Cork by a point. Not really much of an upset, but just a, a close game. Um, and Kilkenny beat Dublin by twelve points, which was probably the the standout result of the weekend. Um, Cork and Tip in Parky Cueve Saturday night. Both teams looking to kind of stay in contention, really more than anything else. Yeah, both teams looking for a win there. Yeah, uh, a second loss would be a kind of a, a nail in the coffin for the league. You'd be kind of giving up the rest of the league and concentrating on championship after that, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Both teams played well now uh, last weekend, so should, that should be a, probably your game of the weekend, really. Yeah, you've got um, Limerick play Galway and Wexford play Clare in the uh, the the games of the unbeaten teams. Um, Limerick, Limerick. Galway's probably the, the pick of the games of the weekend, isn't it? Uh, probably, yeah. Two teams on the back of wins. A repeat of 2008 or Ireland final. Um, should be a good enough game. Aren't they? Yeah, you'd probably expect Limerick to win it, but Galway will be... Uh, they're trying to get back on track up there. Still no Joe, but sure. Yeah, and speaking of teams trying to get back on track, they're Wexford and Clare. That should be a good game as well. Davy Fitz and... <laughs> Davy's, Davy's home county going down to his new county. Brian Lohan, their former LIT and UL managers, they had a yeah, bit of a yeah. rivalry in the college scene, so that should be interesting too. Two yeah. quality teams there. Yeah, the 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 other game of note this weekend, I suppose, in the hurling is um, Dublin and Leash. Leash after took took a bit of a hiding the weekend, and like after last year, they'll want to bounce back. And Dublin again after getting a hiding by Kilkenny, they'll both be wanting to get a win out of it. You yeah, know? and Leash knocked out Dublin last year in the championship, so. Uh, yeah. That, that should be another game to keep an Dublin eye on. Dublin looking so. for a bit of revenge. Yeah. Um, in the football league, it was again uh, a weekend of draws, wasn't it? Dublin and Kerry drawing, and Mayo and Donegal drawing. Um, I suppose that the standout moment was um Clifford's goal for Kerry. Sensational. Uh, it just he's an incredible footballer. Um, it just you can't like, you you don't know how he's doing most of this stuff. No, no, like, even to what you're you're looking at it happening in front. You're like like. What is it? And while all the time chewing chungum. Yeah. Like, the one thing you're told not to do. Chewing on the field. Yeah, I, I don't oh. get it. It's my pet hates it. now. It's the one thing you're told to do. I'd be afraid to choke, do. to be honest, more than anything. <laughs> that was my thing. I'd be afraid, like, playing soccer or football, you go up and get a belt into the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> well, de- dehydrate you. It's well, does that too, yeah. You were told to do as a young but lad, not to go out chewing chungum. It's, it's one of these things, I mean, I don't know who I was speaking to, but it was the way he bounces the ball is... Completely different to any way I've seen anyone else. It's like he's more like a basketball player than anything, and he kind of he's kind of spinning the ball as he bounces, which allows him to do more with it. But you can see him bouncing the ball and chewing away on the chewing gum. It just it's just weird. Sensational. A lot of people are wondering what the captaincy effect, and obviously hasn't. No, he doesn't know. Stepped up there in the last kick of the game to throw over the equaliser. Yeah, John. Yeah. Sensational stuff. Good start to the football league. It was a it was a good game on uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, it's uh, brilliant, Patricia. Again, you're looking at the two best teams in the country. Really, like yeah. the, the gap is fairly wide there. It's not as exciting as the Harlem. Yeah, and and do you know what? It was, it's it's a strange one. You don't often see it happening. The two best teams in in football and the two best best teams in Harlem probably facing off against each other in the first round of the league. Yeah, you know, spoiled for choice. Um, yeah, this weekend then you have Mayo and Dublin carrying Galway. They should be two uh, two interesting games. Yeah, Galway are Galway are one of those teams. Like they're they're never beaten. Like they started off last week with a with a win, you know, and they'll be hoping to keep that going against Kerry. 
Um, of course, Kerry were looking for their, looking for a win after the draw against Dublin. Mayo and Dublin both looking for their first wins. Mayo drew with uh, with Donegal. Um, and I suppose the, the other the third game that stands out to me is the the, the old all Ulster clash between Monaghan and Tyrone. Monaghan took a bit of a trimming on on the weekend, and uh, they'll be looking to bounce back against Tyrone. So, um, yeah, big weekend, big weekend. A lot of teams could be uh, out of contention in the league after two rounds. Yeah, a lot of the top teams, you know. Um, time for rugby. Um, and I suppose it is the kickoff of the twenty twenty six Nations Championship. Um, we were having a bit of a chat about this off air and going through the bits and pieces and um trying to figure out what what's going to happen. It's a tough one from from a home point of view. I suppose we're looking at Ireland and looking for Ireland to kind of bounce back after a horrendous 2019 yeah um, definitely um, looking at team selection there Conor Murray holding on over Cooney I suppose that was the that was the shock call more than anything else definitely Def- uh, would you call it a shock call yeah experience I think Cooney was yeah it's experience. the safe call you'd say yeah yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Say, safe is better than shock yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose Farrell with Sexton as captain Farrell and Sexton probably had a chat and Decided. Let's let's keep Murray. Let's keep him there. Give him give him his chance to. Because he wants to keep a few of the older heads as well. Yeah, it's, it's experience. Yeah, well, Roar Best is gone. Um, Rob Herring is in instead of him. Uh, Andrew Conway starting on the wing. Um, big big start for him just to kind of keep going when doing what he's doing. Like probably the inform winger for the last twelve or eighteen months and never really got the got the nod. So a big big weekend for him. Um, the shock, I suppose, from an Irish standpoint, maybe not a shock if you're a Leinster fan. Is is the Keelan Doris starting at eight? Um, big big future ahead of this guy. Big big future and like could turn out to be one of the finds of the of the Six Nations and one of the standout players. He's just he's just a monster. Has all the skills. He's big. He's fast. Um, standard's been moved over onto uh into six. Mahoney of course dropped, but um be interesting to see how it goes um, Ireland play Scotland on the first day um, nice opening fixture Scotland yeah like last 20 times they've played Scotland they've only lost four times yeah you don't want to be going to France or England or something for your first game especially after a, a questionable World Cup yeah we've got France and England away this year so yeah, it's nice to start with the home game exactly, against Scotland the swing of things um, again, well, it's hopefully hopefully we're saying that on Monday. You know, it's it's one of those things that yeah. could come. Um, Finn Russell, obviously after going out on the tear, has been dropped from the squad. Uh, Stuart Hogg is going to be the the captain. Um, young guy moved in at uh, Adam Hastings. Yeah, Adam Hastings, Adam Hastings instead Hastings, of yeah. um, instead of Russell. So, be interesting to see how they go. Like last time they played was in the World Cup, twenty seven three. Yeah, Hamlet. Ireland won Hamlet. well on top. You just don't see it being any different, do you? Not really, but I think most years it tends to be Scotland and Italy, bottom two. Yeah, yeah, and, and unfortunately I don't think there's going to be much change this yeah. year. It's unfortunate though, because they, they give a, a lot of effort. They do, the they do. The Scotsmen, Yeah, I, was, I read somewhere, like it, we'll move on to it in a while, but like you've got, the Italians they have a new coach in Sergio Parise has gone Conor O'Shea was there for four years and I said like 
their results didn't really improve but their structures did yeah so you'd be kind of hoping that for the future that they might bring them along and you've got Italian players playing all, all over Europe now but something similar to say the improvement we saw from Argentina over the last couple of years uh, Italy play Italy play Wales in the first day um, you just don't see it being anything other than a, a landslide victory for Wales do you? No absolutely not no, I had to past it to be honest Wales, yeah, Wales, Wales are gone with um, like all the old heads you've got uh, Johnny McNichol is uh, starting on the wing but apart from that you've got the the, the usual suspects Reese Webb Dan Bigger uh, Toby Faletau Tipperick they're, they're all there all the old heads are there um, it's just an experienced side and could be a could be a huge huge margin of victory there um, you just don't see Italy having enough to put it up to anyone this year you know no it's just hard to see for them to be honest um, again you hate going into a tournament fully expecting one team to finish last and possibly lose all their games but it kind of yeah. looks that way right now doesn't it yeah, and just the, the one standout from that is from the, the the starting teams is that George North is starting in the centre for Wales. He's only done so five times previously. He's uh, he's been on the wing, so again, it's a good opportunity for him to yeah. get into the swing of it again against yeah. Ke- a team Ke- like born Johnny McNichol at what twenty eight, twenty nine years of age, starting yeah, his 29. first game. Yeah, strange. Only getting his first cap at twenty nine. Yeah, he probably came over from New Zealand. Had yeah, to be, that's it. Had to be naturalised, you know. Um, looking at the England-France game which is the, the pick of the weekend I mean a lot of people are touting it as the the decisive game in the championship and whoever wins will win the championship um, England just such an experienced side it's just counted like something like 675 caps between the whole team um, that's ridiculous George Furbank is the one standout he's the he's the debutant he's starting at full back he's from Northampton Um the one negative I will say for England is I, lo- I look at their team and you've got four of the Leicester backline starting in the backline for England. Yeah. Along with um, along with Farrell and whoever else, but like Leicester are having a terrible season. Yeah, you wonder how much that's going to play on their minds now when they get back into the England setup. They it's might be back into the old routine. And yeah, it, 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 might, it could go either way, but I mean, confidence has to be at an all-time low for those Leicester players. Like they've never ever found themselves out of the top six in the premiership now yeah, they're in, in they're in the bottom two they're struggling there's a fair chance they might actually go down if the premiership decide to relegate someone else along with Saracens and you're just looking at it going maybe maybe it's going to be a break or maybe it's one of those things where you know you take a chance on them and it doesn't work out and you end up losing to France yeah quite possibly especially with this French team looks like it's going to be fairly exciting but um yeah, it just depends how much it's going to play on these players' minds. Like I said, yeah. it's going to be new to a lot of them. They wouldn't have been there before. Yeah, and you look at you look at the French backline. Like you've got Entomac, Dupont, you've got Teddy Tomac on the wing. It's it's an incredibly attacking side, and like you said, it's it's got the youngsters. It's they won't be afraid. Very few changes from the side that got knocked out by Wales in the in the World Cup, and you know they'll be hoping to ma- lay down a marker in France on on Sunday. Um, love to you'd love to see it open up wouldn't you you'd love to see France beating and then the whole Six Nations open up from there you know oh, yeah, absolutely yeah um, so let's nail nail a few questions for the two of you let's nail your colours to the mast who'll win it I've gone for France do you think like France will beat England exciting team yeah well if they beat England on Sunday that's that'll be a real statement of their credentials for the title but um, yeah I just fancy them with the new coach few new young players fearless approach very good 
Well, as they say, you can't uh, you can't win a championship on the first day, but you can sure as hell lose it. Exactly. Dylan, who have you gone for? Oh, Christ, it goes against everything I believe in. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as you said, a uh, championship could be win- won on the first day, and yeah, England could potentially go on to win the whole thing. Yeah, you, you'd imagine if England are to, to go to France and get a win on Sunday that they're they're a long way towards winning, especially with Ireland at home and Wales at home as well. Like they're your they're your big games for England, you'd expect it. I'm going for a shock. I'm I'm going for Ireland to make a, a big statement tomorrow against um against Scotland and uh, and possibly win out the championship. We'll we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if, if Murray will hold his position or not for the entirety. We might be looking at a, a Cooney debutante and standout role for a lot of it and maybe change it or maybe they can split it between them there's going to be um, a lot of eyes on Conor Murray's performance with John Cooney waiting in the wings I hope there. I hope he proves me wrong like he, he looked like a little bit back to himself we all know what he's capable of in the Ospreys game it would be brilliant to have him you know back to where we know he can yeah. play but but if he has a bad game there's going to be a lot of people calling for John Cooney or being for his blood but isn't it brilliant to have the competition there now? That's it. That's, that's that's keep Murray on his toes. Yeah, yeah. Like he knows if he drops his performance level below an 8 or 9 out of 10, he's probably out of the team for the next game. Yeah. Uh, question two. Who will get the wooden spoon? I guess we're all in agreement here. Yeah, I think this one's unanimous. Poor Italians. Yeah, we're all going from Italy, I presume. They love winning it though. Oh, yeah, I was looking at some stats there. In their first 20 years in the Six Nations, they won 12 out of 100 games. And yeah. half of them were against Scotland. Yeah, it's so... It's I don't think any of us are making very controversial calls on that one. No, you take you take Parise out of the um, out of the team. Conor O'Shea has gone a new coach in. It's, like, it's a rebuilding phase for an international side, and it's just... It is. It's not going to sit well with them. It just won't. Um, breakout star... Um, I'd think about this for a while. Like, you're looking at a lot of debutants, but not a lot of youth. Um, yeah, experienced no. players, but only making their yeah. debuts. I've gone for Keelan Doris. I mean, he's been lighting up the the Heineken Cup with Leinster. Um, just an incredible talent, like killing all before him. Um, I think if if Ireland are to win the Six Nations this year then Doris is going to have to play a big part in it and I hope for him that you know he manages to, to stay fit and, and to just destroy all before him and I think that's going to be the you know youth rather than, than experience is going to be the way of the uh, the Irish team this year um, who have you got Dylan? Uh, uh, man that was mentioned plenty there in the last few minutes uh, John Cooney to be the breakout star uh, I feel like Paul Murray's under a lot of pressure and I just feel like Cooney will probably come on against Scotland and maybe overshadow uh, his performance yeah we're talking we're talking breakout stars and Cooney obviously lighting up the Heineken Cup for, for Ulster has been incredible mm-hmm. for the last two seasons um, or for season and a half we'll say since since the beginning of the 2019 season um, 30 years of age though it's like he's he's a bit of a late bloomer yeah, a bit of a Wesley Hoolan, I suppose. <laughs> um, strange in rugby, though. I mean, you can see you can see soccer players that at times they're kind of, but rugby it doesn't seem to be the same way. They're either there or they're not. Um, be interesting to see again. Like obviously, we're not we're not being negative on on Conor Murray here. We hope Conor sets the world alight in uh, on on Saturday against Scotland. But if not, Cooney could be the the man to step up and and take it on. You know, uh, Joe. 
who have you got as your breakout star? Uh, I have gone for the not so Welsh winger Johnny McNichol, who will be starting <laughs> for Wales, born New Zealand. Um, only made his debut there in November in an uncapped international and scored a try. Um, because he had only just qualified for residency, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm tipping him to have a big work or big Six Nations now. Yeah, I mean, it looks like. Wales have been trying to find a spot for him. They've moved George North yeah. into centre. Yeah, they've like they're trying, trying to get to fit him in. they're trying to get all their best players on the pitch, and it'll be interesting. What twenty nine years of age again? Yeah, twenty nine. Like not your typical breakout star age. No, still a very experienced player. Uh, a winger from New Zealand always got that X factor. You know, yeah, you it'll, it'll be interesting to see. And and he's starting his first game against Italy, like. There's a chance he could chance. score three or four exactly, tries. Exactly, yeah. And Wales, Wales love having wingers score. Look at the amount of George Art. You know, there's just yeah, yeah. I can I can see that one working all right. Um, most important player of the tournament. Um, we'll call it Six Nations Player of the Year. Again, this is probably going to come down to what team you've uh, decided is going to win the Six Nations and who's going to be their most important player. Um, for me, it's it's James Ryan for Ireland. Um, Stepping up, probably the next Irish captain after Johnny Sexton, probably will captain Ireland, uh, fitness permitting, into the next World Cup. Um, just an incredible talent and, and leading front. He's kind of, to me, the, the leader on the field since that we've needed since Paul O'Connell left. Um, leads from the front and, and will probably do the same thing the whole way through, you know. and. If Ireland are going to win the Six Nations, he's going to be there or thereabouts for man of the match in all of their games. Um, Dylan, I presume, given that you're expecting England to win the, the Six Nations, you've gone with an English player? Um, I have, yeah. Um, I think Owen Farrell could be the difference between... He could make or break that England team, uh, in my own opinion. Uh, when he performs well, England perform well, and... Uh, if he doesn't perform well, I'd say England won't perform well. So that's that's just the way it is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I reckon he could be influential. Yeah, it. yeah. He's he's an incredible talent. I mean, I, you don't have to like the man to appreciate how good he is. Um, and I don't think there's anyone in Ireland will will like him not as much as they like Andy anyway. If Andy yeah. to get us results, um, oh, I detest Owen Farrell, but <laughs> 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 that's a separate issue, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of memes going around with uh, Andy and uh, and Owen in them from the from the Six Nations launch. So, um, yeah, yeah, Joe, on to uh, yeah, I've gone with um, Teddy Thomas. So again, like if France are going to win it and if France are going to impress, the way they're going to play, he's going to be absolutely key. Mm. I think just with those, the amount you're going to expect a lot of diagonal runs and offloads and just expansive attacking play. Yeah. And when you've got pacey wingers like him, they're yeah. going to come to the fore if it goes well. He's one of the best finishers in the game. Exactly. So and I think again. if France do go on to win it or even put in a good showing, I think he's going to have to be one of the key men. Yeah, and given, given that you know confidence might be low in that English side, you could look at him maybe with a difference yeah. in that game. Dangerous. Um, like There's game always a threat there yeah, when he's yeah. on the pitch. And can make something out of nothing. That's... You know, and that's, yeah. that's what they're looking for. Um so our last question is what will be the biggest shock of the tournament um, yeah if there's any Italian listeners you're not going to like me here my biggest shock is going to be if Italy beats someone so yeah yeah that's that's probably yeah, up there like, right sorry that's all I can say but 
I'd be quite surprised if I can see Italy coming off the pitch with a with a victory in any of their games. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look likely at the moment, Dylan. Um uh, my biggest shock of the tournament. Uh you know what? I'm gonna change what I brought down there. Uh my biggest shock will be to McGrath to come in instead of both Cooney and Murray. Okay. And blow you all out of the water. Nice. That's my biggest shock. Alright. <laughs> based on? Uh based on uh he's not part of the team against Scotland. We're probably gonna need a couple of injuries for that to happen. Hey. Don't rule it out. One underperformer and one injury and all of a sudden. And then McGrath's in, wait. Yeah. <laughs> Watch um, this space. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. Uh, Ireland beating England and winning the Six Nations will be the biggest shock of the tournament um, in, in my book for everyone else not for me but for everyone else I think I think that will be uh, that will be a bit of a shock when it happens um, that's pretty much it I suppose we'll, we'll see how the first weekend goes and we'll, we'll talk we about the rest indeed. this week um, Super Bowl Sunday yeah, going across the pond. You're both big fans of the NFL, as we've as we've spoken about before. Oh, I'd never miss a game. Man. <laughs> I'd never miss a game. I'd be glued to it. The San Francisco 69ers, mate. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> the battle of... What a disaster of a man. You could have that one out. It's <laughs> um, Patrick Mahomes versus uh, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Mahomes is like just breaking every record known to man for quarterbacks so far this season. Garoppolo was having an incredible season and then decided he wasn't going to throw the ball in the division final at all. I think he threw the ball eight times and their rushing game won it for them. Um, the general consensus is that the 49ers don't have a chance that uh, Mahomes and his, his offense in Tyreek and uh, Travis Kelsey and a few more are just like going to be way way too strong for them but hey it's a Super Bowl who knows I'm expecting a I'm expecting a really really high scoring game and an enjoyable one and you know hopefully Super Bowl Sunday we'll be watching it at 1 o'clock in the morning over here I was, about Do you think to high, I was going to say high scoring there James hmm. even with San Francisco's defensive play yeah I just think Mahomes is going to have too much for them okay. um, it's just ridiculous what he's doing like you know he's breaking all the records uh, <laughs> there's two lads laughing at me here I don't know what's going on no I was surprised Dylan came up with something so insightful on the, <laughs> on the uh, NFL that's all it's, uh, oh, I thought it was something ridiculous stupid, but I didn't say it <laughs> um, but yeah sure we'll um, what we'll night did you say it's on Sunday night Sunday night 11pm on Sky Sports stay up late and watch that if we can do you know what I can't watch it I find yeah, I find NFL very difficult to watch. I think it's just the breaks. I think I have that problem with American sports in general. Yeah, just too breaks. many breakages. It's ridiculous. Like when you sit down and watch a game of hurdles, it's like lightning fast by. You can hardly take a breath. Yeah, oh, like Jesus that. Christ, those American sports. I struggle with them. Even basketball live sometimes, you know, when you're getting, especially in the final quarter, like there's so many breaks with just timeouts and everything. 
Yeah, but it you, just makes it more difficult to watch live. That's all. You've got to appreciate the Super Bowl for what it is. It's not just. It's not just a game. It's a show. Yeah, it, it's. But that's the American. You've thing, got the it? halftime show. You've got all the adverts around it that are. Yeah, you know, I know. I, the I, most watched adverts of of the season. Probably yeah. the only watched adverts. Yeah, I anymore. hate that. So. Um, that wouldn't be my cup of tea. I appreciate. Yeah, as a show, outstanding. It's there's something for everyone there. Mm. Yeah, at the same sure. time. What's like, what's wrong with All Ireland Sunday and Hector? running around the pitch for 15 minutes and, off, and then they come back again do you know you show that to someone from Miami and see how they react <laughs> oh Dylan Dylan you're some man boy um, we'll move on from uh, from the Super Bowl uh, Joe you've got a, a a historical sports occasion for us yeah again this, this is this is going to be one of the better known ones I'd imagine a lot of football fans would probably have heard this it's probably considered to be one of the more fairy tale underdog stories um, of international football that is uh, Euro 1992 so it was hosted in Sweden and obviously there was a there was a fair bit of political turmoil around at the time right between the dissolution of the Soviet Union and the Yugoslav war kicking off but anyway um, eight teams uh, two groups of four and then semi-finals okay um, so Soviet Union qualified and then disbanded and put in a team called the Commonwealth of Independent States uh, which comprised of about eight different nations I won't even go listing them um, former Soviet states really okay um, they went on to score one goal none from open play one penalty in the tournament so that didn't go so well Yugoslavia had qualified and then they had to withdraw completely from the tournament because of the Yugoslav war which meant Denmark got to fill their spot Denmark went on to win one of their three group games and scraped through to the semi-finals where they drew Netherlands who were the reigning European champions and held them to a 2-2 draw got it to a penalty shootout and Marco van Basten who wasn't the reigning Ballon d'Or winner I don't think I think he won it the following year but one of the best players in the world mm. uh, Peter Schmeichel saved his penalty only penalty missed in the shootout got uh, Denmark through to the final um, the other semi-final then Germany who had as well only kind of bluffed their way through the groups came second in the group uh, went through 3-2 against Sweden two goals for Karl-Heinz Riedler if there's any uh, 1990s Liverpool fans out there you might remember him um, so Denmark and Germany in the final then uh, Germany definitely the better team throughout but Denmark picked off a goal in the 18th minute and then Germany, to be fair, didn't really create any major chances. And uh, Villefort got a second for Denmark with about 10 minutes to go. And in the end, without qualifying for the tournament, the Danes went on to be champions of Europe. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember the whole... At the time, I was just obviously too young. I remember Denmark winning it. I remember being a shot. I probably remember it mostly for the fact that Peter Schmeichel, you know, United just being the hero for Denmark for the most of that tournament yeah. and keeping a minute but yeah when you when you go back through it and you look at everything that was going on at the time in Europe and huge yeah it's just like how that tournament even went ahead is beyond me yeah I think it being hosted in Sweden probably yeah, helped. that would have been away from because you had like the Berlin Wall coming down only a couple of years prior to that and yeah the Yugoslavia dissolving like, the USSR it's 28 years ago like. yeah you know it's, it's, all. it's mad it's mad but yeah, Denmark went on to win a tournament they didn't qualify for against one of the better known ones. A lot of people would have known about it, but uh, I said it, it warranted a mention still. 
Yeah, and, and only eight teams in that tournament. Like you look now, is it? It's not thirty-two. Is it? it's more uh, than thirty-two. Sixteen. Did they expand it? They expanded to twenty-four, did I think it's twenty-four. Yeah, I think it's twenty-four this year for the for the Euros. I mean, like, just we still can't qualify. <laughs> We've still got a chance. We take that back. Um, yeah, great. Is there a reason, Joe, why Denmark was chosen? Um, they were next in the qualifying. That's all, right. all it was. Yeah, simple as there was no no fairy tale behind that. They were just next in line. They didn't miss out by a whole pile. How how were they next? Because like I'm sure, what was the qualifying? Was qualifying it, group? Was it eight groups? Oh, I don't know how many groups it was. It would have been enough to cater for the countries of Europe. So yeah, about that. So I don't how, have the specifics. How did qualifying. they decide that Denmark were the best second place team? I think they were next in the same group as Yugoslavia. So they just gave them ah, their spot. From okay, that okay, that makes more sense. Fairly Fair sure of that. Gotcha. Very good. Interesting one, Joe. Thanks very much. Thanks for that. I say I'll, I'll have more obscure ones, but I thought it warranted a mention. That was all. Dylan, it's time for bamboozled. Time for bamboozled. Uh, yeah, so this week, uh, given the the Six Nations is starting this weekend, we've gone for the Six Nations teamed bamboozled. James, I'll just congratulate you now. You were well warned last uh, weekend. I'm still, so. I'm still waiting on a victory. I haven't won one. I'm, I'm aiming for second place here. Yeah, I think I'll be doing well. And since I've been uh, accused of bias towards Joe, uh, <laughs> James, this is a uh, this one for you, I suppose. You're about to be accused of bias towards James here. Just, <laughs> just be warned. Well. Right. For uh, for anyone who hasn't heard this segment before, it's uh, three questions each, and the winner takes all at the end. It's not a very complex structure. No, <laughs> no. Well, it depends. Um, I know it's not complicated this week, don't worry. <laughs> Right, so uh, we usually go youngest first. So, uh, Joe. Yeah, thanks. Um, uh, Joe, uh, which player holds the record for most tries in the championship? In the Six Nations? Mm. Oh. Oh, man, I haven't got a clue. Um, Brian O'Driscoll? Well done, Joe. I feel like I heard that he break that record there. Uh, I don't know Wikipedia don't says know. Brian O'Driscoll <laughs> with uh, 26 tries I don't know if I remember that or if it was just an uneducated guess but sure I'll well done that. Joe that's Thanks. a point point to Joe uh, James uh, your first question uh, which player holds the record for individual points in one game in one game yeah I would have to go, and this is probably going way back, Ronan O'Gara versus Italy. Chances are it's someone versus Italy. Way back. I think he was, a, they, they called it the perfect 10. I think he had 10 successful kicks that day. Uh, you got the opponent right. <laughs> Who was uh, it? Johnny Wilkinson oh, scored, my guess. scored 35 points against Italy in 2001. Oh, one nil, Joe. Oh God! I can finally lose on rugby. I'm gonna be very upset. You're never gonna lose this one. <laughs> if you lose this one. Um, it's all right. It'll go tits up yet. Joe, Joe, your second question. Uh, of the six stadiums, which has the biggest capacity? Okay. Um, oh, I'm torn between Twickenham and the Millennium Stadium. I don't think the Stade de France is as big, is it? I'm going to go with the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. 
that would be incorrect, Joe. Uh, it is actually the Twickenham Stadium. Oh, for fuck's sake. With, <laughs> with, with 82,000. Oh, wow. I didn't think it was that big. I was imagining it was like 60 or so. Massive stadium. Oh. Uh, so, James, your second question. Of the six stadiums, which has the lowest capacity? That, ooh. What are we taking into account as Italy's home stadium? The, the bigger one. The bigger one. <laughs> the Stadio Olimpio or something. Right. So the one in Rome, is it? So we're probably going to have to go with the Aviva being the, the lowest. It is. Sensationally lower. Uh, it's uh, 51,700. Well, how big is Murrayfield? Murrayfield is over 70, I think. Yeah. Oh, over, wow. Over well down on the list. Yeah, I think the next oh, one was 60-something. Okay. Jesus. Uh, yeah, small enough place. They used to, Italy used to play their games at... Oh, I can't remember the, the stadium. The second stadium in Rome. But it was only like 25,000. Oh, okay. But yeah. 1-1. One, one. We, one we have a chance. We have a chance. Right. Now this is getting interesting. <laughs> um, Joe, your final question. Uh, in what year did England last win the Grand Slam? Grand Slam. Mm. Something in my head is telling me they did it fairly recently. How recently? <laughs> that was the question. <laughs> um, I, I have no idea. I'm just trying to pick when I'm going to guess. Um, I have to put your pressure for time now, Joe. Uh, 2013. Oh, that's closer than that, Joe. 2016. Uh-huh. Unlucky. Uh, James, uh, your win. question to win it. In what year did France last win the Grand Slam? Ugh. Wasn't recently. How recently? No, it wasn't no, recently. No, how not recently? <laughs> how not recently is the question. Um, 2000 it's 2000 and something, all right. I have to put I you under pressure for time, James. 2007. So it's recent. 2010. I'm still without a victory. Unfortunate. He shared the spells again, lads. I'd happily take a draw on that one. <laughs> Delighted. <with that. laughs> uh, well done, lads. Well, Unfortunate. There's, there's, no there's no well done on that. Jesus. But, uh, I'm taking. I'm taking some bit of a hammering in this. Like, still no victory after five weeks. Oh. Anyway. Thanks for that, lads. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. That was good. Yeah, better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on to our final segment of the day, it's our audience participation segment. Um, a take five where you, the listener, get to pitch your wits against our panel of experts, i.e., me, Joe, and Dylan. Um, five games across a range of different sports. Pick the winner and the score and. Hit us up on social media and uh, tell us what you think. And if you manage to get all of them correct, you shall win a sideline cut beanie. Um, they're nice ones too. Yeah, they're unreal. The keep you real warm now. Summer just around the corner. <laughs> the the first game of the week: Kansas City versus San Francisco. What have you gone for, Dylan? Uh, I I've gone for uh, San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco 27 and Kansas City 23 going for a bit of an upset there 
I have relations in San Francisco. I couldn't go again. You know. Bit biased, so. Joe, I've gone for Kansas, uh, thirty to twenty-three. I've also gone for Kansas, forty-two to thirty-seven over San Francisco. Oh, it's a very high-scoring game. Yeah, I'll be sitting there with my popcorn and my nachos and watching that. Very sixteen-inch pizza I, I, as well. Like, yeah. you're gonna have to <laughs> on the couch, tradition when watching Wings, the Super Bowl. Hot dogs, pizza. Yeah. <laughs> um, second game of the week is, of course, the Spurs Man City game from the Premier League. Joe, what have you gone for as our resident football expert? Um, hope expert was in inverted commas there. I'm going for a Mourinho masterclass. I mentioned it earlier. I think. City are weak enough and he has had enough time that I think he's going to pull off a 3-1 win Dylan? Uh, I have actually gone for a draw 2-2 draw and I've gone for a 3-2 win for Spurs just I'm putting my Liverpool hat on and I want a guard of honour at uh, at the end that's the aim France and England in the Six Nations on Sunday um, I'm going to go for the upset here lads I'm going to go for France to beat England um, high enough scoring I think um, Teddy Thomas is going to score two if not a hat-trick uh, and France to win 32-27 sorry uh, I've gone for England to win uh, England 23 France 17 and Joe uh, well, I suppose I have to back France um, I've gone for a 35-25 win Alright uh, National Hurling League tie between Limerick and Galway um, Limerick the defending league champions Galway one from one so far this year um, don't see I don't see Galway being good enough to beat Limerick but it'll be a tight game um, I'd say 219 to 315 in favour of the, the treaty men Okay uh, fair going. Uh, I've gone for Limerick as well. Uh, two sixteen to one seventeen. Joe, I've gone for a slightly larger margin of victory. I've gone Limerick two twenty one to one nineteen. So a five point win there for for Limerick. Okay, and uh, and our our last game of the week is Mayo and Dublin. Both obviously uh, coming off the back of draws last week. Um, Dublin All Ireland champions Mayo the proverbial bridesmaid. Um, what are we thinking, lads? Uh, I've gone for Dublin for this one. Uh, Dublin 117, Mayo 15 points. And Joe? Um, I've gone Mayo. I'm going to back Mayo on this one. I've gone 20 points to 115. 20 points to 115. And I've actually gone for a draw. Um, so one of us has to get it right. Yeah, 14 points apiece there between uh, between Dublin and Mayo. Very good. Good shot. That's all we have time for this week. Uh, remember to check us out across all our social media at sideline underscore cut on Twitter and Instagram and at the sideline cut on Facebook. You can also email us on sport at the sideline cut.com. For me, James. And myself, Dylan. And me, Joe. Thanks for listening. All the best. Cheers. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm.